0: You're listening to CLONK, the Cardiff University Students' Union
1: podcast. Welcome boys, welcome everyone who's listening to this for the uh, second time, unfortunately. Uh, it's our second episode of the CUFC uh, podcast. Uh, this week, we are delighted to be joined by a special guest, Jake. Good to, Hi, you. You? good to have you, Jake. Very good to have you, good mate. Home. Um, so, just a quick one before before we start from last week, after the abuse I got from Ben Marrett for my drink of choice. <laughs> we uh <can't laughs> strong, to that, mate. So, eh, eh, so on to this week. Uh, we're doing a episode about you two boys, basically. So, it's going to be, both of you have been involved in academy processes um, and things like that. So, we're basically just going to talk about going on from the theme of last week obviously with mental health and how how it's affected both you boys if that sounds all right to you so yeah. Right. yeah definitely so jake if you want to just give us a little a little intro about yourself mate what's your name where you from blah 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 for those who don't um
0: so i'm jake alley i'm from outside of london i'm from a little town called tring uh probably about 45 minutes from london um i played for ipsuch town from the age of 15 till 18. um was released at the end of my scholarship and i'm off to uni in september so too right
1: mate where
0: are
1: yeah, you going where are you going to uni
0: mate um where's going to bro oh
1: nice Fair play. nice <laughs> hey, nothing a... on Cardiff. but i was gonna say that's a proper football in uni Not... yeah, nah. <laughs> 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 so, Right, All right. over to you mate
2: um yeah, so I'm Ben Mara. Um I live in South London, just south of Wimbledon. And my football in Korea sort of thing was that I just played youth team football for Met Police, which is a semi pro youth team, and then I went to America for two years on a sports scholarship at university there.
1: Yeah, good stuff, mate. Good I mean, I've never heard about the America thing, but I'm sure I'm sure we'll touch on that. Uh, right, so we'll start off with you, Jake, mate. If you want to talk about just how you kind of got into football, who you support, blah, 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 things like that, so.
0: Uh, it was probably when I was like six or seven, really. You know, just playing for your local team. Um, I remember my first ever game I went to was like Wiccan Wanderers or something, um, but just because oh. they were my local team. But um, I support Chef United because me old family uh from their mum's side are anyway, so... I remember going to games with my granddad, then I've, I've had a season ticket with them since I've been about eight or nine, so nice one. yeah, that's my earliest memories really of going to watch football. I can't remember when I started out playing, like memories of me playing, but I remember vividly like my first games going to and stuff. No, Nice one mate,
1: very good, I mean, I'm, I'm a West Brom fan as well mate, so I'm feeling you oh. back this season.
0: Yeah, it's, it's been a, bit of a stinker.
1: Shocking mate, absolutely shocking. What you, Mar-
2: um, yeah, I think my dad took me to a Fulham game, that and Chelsea was like two closest clubs. So then uh dad took me to a Fulham game when I was younger and I just like just, I, I wasn't that interested in I was like five or six, but I felt like it was like the right thing to do because like, my older brother was into football, dad was into football, granddad was into football, it was just sort of like a football, sort of household, so I just thought that was the right thing to do. And then, um, yeah, sort of as I got older, I, sort of, I don't really watch it anymore, like I'm not I'm not, I, I love playing the sport. I think it's great. I'm just, just not that interested in watching it anymore. Don't know. I just sort of like, just never really found that too big an interest. I've always like, watched it and just thought I'd much prefer to be playing rather than like, watching it on TV. No, fair enough, mate. It
1: surprises me that a bit, to be fair. I thought you'd... Yes, yeah, surprises everyone, really. But yeah, I haven't, I haven't been a fan for years, obviously. Oh right. Really? Didn't I? I didn't know that, to be fair. How much of a football badger you are, I thought you'd be all over it. <laughs> 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 nah, right, right. So obviously, we'll get into the. It's uh, about obviously today's podcast is more about. The, there's a few stories we've we were talking about the other week weren't we're of, um, mm-hmm. of boys getting released by academies and sadly, obviously, going the wrong way with into into different things. Um, yes. And we've we've seen it with with Jake's story. Basically, big shout out to Matt Kimmins, uh, who runs the social media for our club because he saw Jake's story uh, online. Um, which is fair play to Jake, took some massive courage to share his story online. And we all the boys were, were very, very impressed by it, which is why we wanted to get him involved, really. So we just knocked him a message on the odd chance that he might reply. And uh, luckily for us, he's, he's been, been kind enough to come on and share his story, really. So so that should be good. So, Jake, if you want to start off, mate, um, with how you kind of got into the academy set really. So.
0: Um, it must have been when I was about 13 or 14. So um, you have like a district team, so the schools in your district get put together. Um, and I remember going to the trials there and I got into the team and then we entered like the national cup. Um, and we won, we ended up winning the national cup in the end. Um, and I was skipper. And I remember, I think it was the semi-final got scattered by Chelsea. It must've been under 13 or under 14. Um, so I went on trial there and you know, I normally, I don't know if you know, but normally a trial at an academy is about six weeks. But I ended up going on trial there for about six months. Like, yeah. And in the end, I didn't get a contract. And then I had a few more clubs after me. But my parents were a bit like, oh, we don't really want you committing to a club where you're training three, four times a week. Because, you know, it's not meant to have a detriment on your GCCs or your grades or whatever. But it is going to, ain't it like when, you, when you're training that much. So, I kind of put it to a side and was just playing for my local team, Hemel Town. And then it must've been the summer holidays going into year 11. So finish year 10, I was 15, I think. Um, and the, one of the head scouts from it, which had been bugging me to go up for ages. And my parents were like, no, no, he's not going like, he's got to focus on his school, this and that. Um, but then kept on bugging him so i finally went up in the summer probably because i was just a bit bored more than anything it was just something to do um i went up there for a week and then got a one year i think it's called schoolboy contractor and a two-year scholarship so it was three years in total um yeah so it was straight then as soon as i finished my gc's i remember my last exam was like 21st of june and then i think it was the 28th of june i moved up to ipswich full-time so everyone else had the biggest you know that holiday between gcc's it's like a three-month summer i've got a six-day summer
1: <laughs> did you cram those six days those six days are decent
0: no because everyone still had exams because i okay. um i remember it was on um, the sciences so i did foundation like double, i did like the lowest of the low um and everyone else doing like triple science they their last exam was on like 27 so i could barely do anything
1: oh fair play so am i right in thinking from like the little bits we've seen on Twitter of yourself and stuff, you're a keeper, is that right? Yeah, a goalkeeper. Okay, fair enough. So obviously, as you mentioned, moving up to Ipswich, um, is it up or down? My geography is rubbish.
0: Uh, it's just to the right and a bit <laughs> up.
1: Okay. Um, so you mentioned obviously that, Um, how was that for you? Obviously, uh, was it 16 you went there?
0: Yeah, 16 I moved up. So
1: talk to me just purely about moving away from home at the age of 16. That must have been pretty
0: yeah it was tough to be fair i remember literally every weekend when i had the chance because obviously i couldn't drive at the time so for my parents to drive three hours there and three hours back just to come pick me up like it's a big commitment it's a big ask just for me to come home for one night so you know i was begging to come home really every weekend my first couple weeks because like as much as you're enjoying it playing football full-time you know you live in the dream you still miss those home comforts and because you live in in a thing called dig so it's basically where you're just living with the host family you get paid to look after you but obviously living in someone else's house is you know going to be completely different to living in your own house isn't it
1: yeah, that's that's i've never i've never really thought about that to be fair obviously with being 16 you're not going to it's true you know they're not going to give you somewhere to live by yourself are they so no exactly i was out then just going into new family
0: completely and living with them what was, what was that like um to be fair in my first year i was living with two other lads and oh. we all got on really well to be fair so we they were quite lucky because they only both of them lived about 45 minutes to an hour away from it switch, so they could just get the train home but you know because i was probably double the distance and both of them so it was a lot harder to get home just for a, a sunday on the weekend that we got off or whatever oh, fair
1: play mate fair play. We'll, we'll come back to that so obviously just Marat, just purely if you want to just give an initial, kind of, when you first started playing for Met Police and then we'll, we'll, we'll come on to the America story later, but just purely for Met Police for now, so if you want to come on to that. Yeah,
2: definitely. Um, yeah, yeah, Jay, I can't imagine your, your jump from sort of non-academy to academy, because mine was only semi-pro. And I thought that was a massive jump for me, just playing midweek and training midweek and playing with boys that were two years older than me at the same time. Yeah. That that was just a massive step for me, even though I was only about an hour away from where I live. So I just got the train there, so it was quite nice. But um, I was just playing for a Sunday league team. And it was funny, I went and charged this Sunday league team under 16 as a centre midfielder. I actually had a growth spurt over that summer of about four or five inches. I don't know what happened, but, you know, thank God it did. And I, and I, and I finally hit the six-foot mark. And... Uh, and he was like, oh, where are you playing? I was like, oh, yes, like center and mid. And he thought I said center back, the manager. So I was just trying to center back the whole time. But I was in a team that passed the ball a lot. So that was probably one of my better attributes. I was at the back just playing out. He was like, oh, that's exactly what we've been looking for. Like, come and play for us. This is under 16s. So I've been put into a center back, even like, though I don't know if had no card to play there, And they all thought I did. And then anyway, end ended up working out for me, really. That uh, just randomly, one game, the Met Police um, youth team manager was down to come and watch us and just asked me to come play for them. I just trained for them through my year 11, my halfway through year 11, was just trained, wasn't playing any games then. And they just played one game right at the end of the season when they'd already won the league, I think. So it didn't mean anything to, like, I, I just got put at left back and that was it really. Luckily, I got in and then stayed there for two years. And that was, yeah, I, I had a really
1: great, really great time there. So what, so kind of, was, what sort of a, obviously a semi-pro with, with with Met Police, what sort mm-hmm. of, like, contract or uh, what, what was kind of the, what was the situation there, really, for the two years?
2: Um, right? I say saying, yeah, it definitely wasn't a contract. I wish it was. <laughs> but uh, the, um, uh, I don't really know. I was, I was in the same league as like Woking, Saturday United, or all the conference, yeah. the, the National League. So it was like the highest standard, I guess, you could get before going into like, that professional academy, basically. And there was no yeah, there was no real contract, to it. there was about 60... No, that's an overstatement. They about like 40 boys because we had two teams. One was in the Ryman Premier, which was like the highest semi-pro youth league. And then we had one in the lower one. And the idea was that when you were a first year, under 17, you'd play in the lower one. And then the older boys would be in the under 18 one, like you would aspire to be in that one. So my first year, I just sort of sat on the bench mostly for the higher team and then just played the odds game sort of here and there. So it was sort of just like more of a transition year. And I was quite grateful for that, really. I didn't have to go in straight away and be that's some some great prospects or whatever. I was just I I was like quite grateful just to have the time to sort of just fit in. And yeah, and then the second year they just asked to keep me on, which I was grateful because they cut the lower teams, they cut loads of boys
1: out. So there was only about
2: 15,
1: 16, no probably about 18
2: in the squad, uh, the second year. And then that was that really.
1: So how was how did that kind of work in terms of was there a progression was the progression there to the first team in that with that kind of scenario or was what was the situation there really? Yeah, I
2: definitely think there was. It was sort of a sort of hard to say, really, because there were boys, especially when I was in my first year. So they were second year boys, and one boy went off to play in the second division in Spain straight away after being under eighteen, but didn't get a look in, in the Met Police first team. So it was sort of it was sort of strange. Like we all knew he was great. There was a couple of boys that went to academies. Um, sorry, one went to Aylesbury Wimbledon, one went to Reading. It was like, but like none of those were the boys that got a look in the first team. So it's almost like semi-pro football. Um. You know it's really physical and it's like it's quite different to the professional game so looking for like a particular type of player so we had a lot of like really gifted footballers but that necessarily doesn't really fit that sort of non-league style of football if that makes sense so yes. th- there definitely was if you were the right fit for it i wouldn't i wouldn't even say it was like the most it wasn't like the most technical players that would get make that jump and then it was really rare for boys to make the jump even though there was the opportunity to do it
1: Not- that's fair enough. Mate. I think it's a, uh, it's, it's, it's an awkward one that is really, because obviously, as you say, without your contract and stuff, you're still committing quite a lot of time to it, I presume, and quite a lot of kind of, um, it's a big commitment while you're doing your GCSEs and A-levels and stuff, I presume. Yeah, 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 yeah,
2: definitely. And even when year 12 I absolutely flunked my ASs because we'd, uh, we'd done well in the FA Youth Cup and I just was on sky high and I don't know, school just wasn't, just wasn't like my main priority back then. We're playing um, like Yeovil away, we played playing a Turf War. Jeremy, you know I mean? we were just on this little fairy tale run, so I wasn't really concentrating on, on, on year 12. Sure. And, you know, back, back,
1: sorry, say again. I, I was just saying the, the Turf more story is a good one if you want to tell that. I've heard that a few times. Yeah, all right, yeah, I'll
2: tell that one <laughs> since, since you asked. Um, <laughs> yeah, no, so I've been in and out of the, um, the, the higher youth team, and then we went on a FA Youth Cup run. And so all the proteins, I think, not all of them, but the first sort of the lower proteins come in at round two. Then the, and then every proteins around three. Is that right, Jake? That... Uh, it's
0: round one, like League One and League Two. And then that's the it. rest all come in, like all the big boys around three. That's, yeah,
2: yeah, that's it. Now, like, Chelsea was definitely in round three because that's who we wanted to play. But we didn't. anyway. But thank God we didn't. So us wouldn't have this story. So we, um, so round one, we played Dulwich, which was like, they really, like we beat them on penalties at the end. I didn't even play in that game. I was on the bench. So I was sort of like the defender on the bench, if that makes sense. So unless someone really got injured, there was never any reason to bring me on, but like, I wasn't like an attacking option or going to change the game at all. Um because I was playing as a centre back for them at the time. And then um so I didn't play against Dulwich, So we, we played the four preliminary rounds against other sort of like lower youth teams. Got through then made it to the real round one, beat Dulwich on penalties, I didn't play that game. Second game, we went away to Yeovil. I uh, didn't play that game either, I was just on the bench again, but we won on penalties again. So drew one all one on pens. And then the third round we had Burnley away so we went to Turf Moor. So that was like a ridiculously long coach. Trip. I generally don't even know what the driver was doing, but I think it was about five or six hours. And uh, I stayed in the hotel. So I was living the life because I was thinking I'm not I'm not gonna play. And I am with all my mates in the hotel in Burnley. We were just, you know, playing football in the corridor, like on the pool table, we put like bets on FIFA till like 3am. I was like, oh, I'm living the life like. I, the last thing on my mind was playing this game. I was thinking I'm going to go on there, warm up on in Turf Moor, go sit on the bench, put my trackies back on. So, yeah, so I've done that. Absolutely loving life. And then um, it got to like the 60th minute. We, we went 1-0 down quite early um, from then it was 1-0 at half time. And we looked okay, to be fair. You know, when you think of Burnley you think, and Turf Moor, you think you're just going to get battered. But we really weren't. We were down 1-0 and they were like, oh, and we were thinking, oh, we're actually in this game like, much more than we thought we would be. Then, um, yeah, it was like the 67th minute maybe it came on. It was like the 60th minute. He was like, oh yeah, Ben and warm up. I literally got told to do that every 10 minutes, of every game in case someone get injured. So I was like, ah, oh, still. You know, I'll just go down there and do a few stretches, like look around a bit more. Then was like, right, like get, get your trackers off what you're like, going on. And I was like, oh God, I like. was like, Jeremy, I just wasn't mentally prepared to go on at that point. So he was like, yeah, you're moving like the left back at the time to left wing. You're going to left back. And I was like, oh, God, I haven't played left back in ages. And I was playing against this Burnley right winger rapid. Oh, God. But I came on to me, like a crunching challenge. And then I was pretty settled, to be fair. Wouldn't say I played particularly well at all, but I just played like just okay. Just sort of did my job. And then, um, yeah, then we got, we drew 1-0 in 90 minutes, scored in the second half. And then we um, got to extra time. Uh, went one like they scored two one down and then it was the hundred and yeah it was hundred twentieth minute, so it actually overplayed like the amount of playing time. But we had a free kick about half inch in the box in the uh, halfway line, and then uh, our keeper was coming. So I was standing at the back, sort of like the edge of the eighteen yard area, sort of like the back end of it. And um, I just remember the Burnley defender saying to like the other guy like Oh yeah, yeah, you mark him, pointing at me." And he just like didn't really look at me. He like, just like looked at the ball taker because our keeper was running up. So everyone was waiting for him to come. And then our guy took the free kick early and I was the only one in the box. So I just had the back post and two more, one on pens. <laughs> it, was, <laughs> it, it, it just shouldn't. It just, it just wasn't fair for the other boys like me to score that goal. but you know like, I just hadn't played that much. Like, <laughs> so for that happened. And then, yeah, went to the Molyneux, played Wolves away. Didn't play that game and we lost 5-0, so. <laughs>
1: you should have left that bit out leave that out (laughs) next time you tell that story just don't tell the wolves bit (laughs) (laughs) that was the dream (laughs) right so uh, so jay surely the bit i kind of took from that was kind of the going and staying away in the hotel kind of thing because obviously as like obviously at uni and stuff like that we only just kind of play we play western so we don't we never really go far enough away to and yeah. I, the highlights for me is kind of um, going and having I mean, a big old coach journey on the way home or something like that after a win and stuff like that. Obviously, for blokes like yourselves, Jake, where you've gone and played a big distance away and stayed in hotels and bowed, been around the boys the whole time, how's that kind of going from being in that environment where you're always around the boys, always kind of that, to kind of being released and then there's none of that? How, did, how was that for you?
0: Uh, it's weird in a way because uh, obviously you're with them literally 12 hours, well, probably not 12 hours, like six, seven hours a day, six days a week. So you're spending the majority of of your life with them for two years. And then when you go from that to then, you know, because you get get in a routine, you get in a rhythm where on a Monday, Tuesday, uh, you train and Wednesday, you got school. Thursday, Friday, you train. Saturday, you got a game. Like you get in the rhythm where like you just naturally... When you wake up in the morning, you're like, oh, school's day, oh, uh, football's today, oh, football oh training's day, oh, it's match tomorrow, so be careful in training's day. So you, you kind of just get programmed to basically just fit into the routine. You don't read, really, you turn into a bit of a robot, to be honest. Like, you get up thinking, oh, I don't want to train, but I'm going to have to, like – because it gets a bit tedious when, you know, you've trained every day for the last 15 days straight, and you've got to find that bit of motivation to get out of bed and train again when – Yeah, it's a horrible cold morning or whatever. So, I mean, at the time, like looking back at it, like you probably didn't take it for granted how good of a position it was in a way like where you train every day at, you know, very good facilities and you train with your mates every day. And then as soon as it basically all goes where you, you know, I've probably seen the boys that I've seen every day for two years, I've probably seen them like three or four times in the last year. Obviously due to COVID, like I would have seen them a lot more, but you know, it's, it's a hard transition from they They basically become your family away from home because you're with them every day and then not seeing them at all for like, especially the first lockdown when it was three, four months, where you couldn't see anyone. That's you know, a big adjustment.
1: So when was it, when was it that you got, you got released? If you don't want me to ask it. Um, so it
0: was, literally i think it was like a week before the lockdown started mate So yeah it came...
1: was yeah kind of going from that having that news and then boris coming on the telly the week after and going you can't go outside How... yeah
0: it all came quite quick because um i remember them introducing the lockdown and uh, um which basically put a program together for all the boys because they thought it would only be you know at, the, at first thought everyone thought it'd be like one or two months we'd be back to normal but so, they put a program for us all together and like telling us to keep fit with and all this and that. And obviously, we'd just been released by the club. So, we we're like, oh, no, we'll toss that off. Like <laughs> none of us wanted to do it because they're telling us to go on an hour run every day and, you know, do indoor, you know, home gym sessions. And, mm-hmm. and we we're like, no, we're not doing that. So, <laughs> it kind of it's like just not exercising as well. Like, it. I feel like that mentally you forget how much it helps you when you know even like a half an hour run every day it, it helps so much you know all the happy endorphins and stuff but, you know it's just yeah just getting used to not exercising every day because obviously now I'm working or whatever you you don't have the time to to exercise every day and you you never really took it for granted back then you know it's football training you're enjoying it but it's actually physical intense exercise every day so fitness levels as well drop so fast from being in the full-time games and then dropping out playing part-time whatever the fitness levels between are insane
1: yeah i I can i can imagine mate i i think the, the timing of that obviously we talk about um kind of being released must be must be difficult in itself but the timing of that i can't even imagine that must have been so difficult for you to be fair
0: yeah, it was it was tough, but in a way, because it was getting to the point where, you know, you have been released, and I remember coming out of my release meeting, and I expected it to happen to be Fair, I knew it was coming, but instead of being like sad or anything, I was just kind of off and angry at the club. I was like, oh, you know, if you gave me like, I was trying to blame everyone but myself for, like, oh, yeah, you know, it's your fault, it's your fault, it's this coach's fault, it's that coach's fault. Which looking back at it. Like what I've come out with, I definitely think the club could have one hundred percent treated us better while we were there, but it's partly, well, the works mainly down to yourself. So then, when you are in that lockdown, you are thinking, "Oh, could I have done this better? Could I have done that better?" It's like hundreds of different things playing on your mind. Are oh, what if I played well in this big game or that big game? Like, would the decision have been different?
1: No, no, mate. So moving on to yourself, it was the kind of a. So going back to Met Police, was, was there a, was there ever a conversation with, with you, obviously it's a di- very different situation, but was there ever mm-hmm. a conversation between them and yourselves where it was kind of, this isn't going to carry on? Actually? No, I
2: never actually. I was, I, to be honest with you, I was really great, like the season before I was playing on sort of like the worst sunday league pitches or like everyone getting in fights over like a header or a dodgy Do you know what i mean i was just so grateful to be playing in these little stadiums it was just a, a bit of a whirlwind transformation for me um considering I, I didn't really like football at all at the time like i didn't watch it or anything so i was just really grateful to be there and then when we were going into my second year when i found out that um they're just going down to one team i was like oh no like the, 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 this could be the end of my like little little ride and they were like oh no like you're, you're definitely saying like that fully expect you. and i was just like "Yeah, you know, happily surprised really i think because i've just basically underestimated myself for a long time up to that point so there wasn't really any expectation and no that conversation really
1: you know luckily never never happens actually so what what kind of happened and was it you going to uni that kind of stopped it or or what was the
2: um what well, we've met police yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So um, throughout my second year, um, it was about the Christmas period when I was doing like the showcases for the American coaches. And I remember playing against Sutton United on the Monday, which was like the biggest rivalry game. And I remember a like, I defended, you know, well, but you know, my, I, I genuinely couldn't kick the ball more than like ten yards because I was just so knackered. because I played about four games. I didn't know how it was going to go. Like, I genuinely didn't know what. Was going to be the outcome for it when I was trialing, and, um, and I, I just was so ashamed about playing like that I ended up just telling them that uh, yeah, this is what sort of what I was doing. But it wasn't it wasn't something that was new to them at that because because they're semi pro that like they do know that the youth teams are almost like a stepping stone to something else. So they, they were really supportive. Like my coach Donovan, he was um, his son was the one who went to Spain straight after his 18, um, after his like second year. And then like, other boys went to the first team and stuff and other boys went to america as well so sort of just told them what was going on and they were just really supportive of it and they all they cared about was that season really and, and past that point you know the youth team ends then i'm into the men's football which would have been the reserves and first team. So i wasn't really there problem anymore after that if that makes sense yeah so it, did, it didn't make any difference to them and
1: yeah just because i was moving on that it was just sort of it really no different very different situation then isn't it really i suppose mm-hmm. um but well, so obviously I know you're probably itching to tell it. Let's let, let's hear about the next steps for you, really. So obviously, moving to America. How, Thanks, that? Yeah. Um, so how did that yeah, come about? So, well, obviously, I know. About so, how did it come? How did that come to happen, really?
2: So basically, it was it was always an idea of when I was younger and when I got into Met Police, I was like, oh, I actually could be alright at football. To be fair, at this point. And then my dad was just sort of chatting about the idea, and it was nothing more than a conversation, but it was sort of in my head. And then because I basically flunked my AS levels, I then got to a point where I would have had to stay another year because I had to drop maths because i got an E in it. So I had to pick up AS business. So I would have had to be there in that, like in year 14 almost. Yeah, And that was what sort of kick started the process because I was just thinking, oh, I just really don't want to be here another year when all my mates are moving on to uni and, uh, and stuff like that. So I was almost looking for like another way out. So, uh, so then I was like, yeah, then I started looking into this process a bit more. And then there was a boy in the year above me at Met. And he actually went to America and I I you know I didn't think he was that great at football to be mm-hmm. honest with you. And um and he went and I was like, oh so like, he can go like you, yeah. geez.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I was like,
2: I was like, oh, if he can go, then like I think I can go. And I, that put a bit of belief in me because the boys that i would known gone before, they were I was like, these boys are way better than I am. Mm-hmm. Like the, you know, one boy was playing at Barnet like in his second year, he went straight from that and then he went to America. I was like, boy, he's like he's just a different level to what I was. So then he went. That sort of gave, and then so yeah, um, I signed up to this company called Pass for Soccer, and then I went to a little um, sort of like trial day thing where they just did like a couple games, and it was just for the coaches, just sort of evaluate. These are just English coaches for the company, just to sort of evaluate what division they think you play in and what scholarship you thought you'd have. So then whether you knew whether to like um, progress with like the process or not. So then, yeah, they gave my thing. They thought i had been like Division One, which was the top division. So I was like, oh, "This is like amazing." So I was like, "Yeah, I'll, like, I'll definitely do it." And I think my estimation was like paying between four and seven thousand dollars a year. That's what they thought I'd pay. So then I uh, like spoke to my dad about it, and he was like, "Yeah, like yeah, you know, I'll I'll support you." Like he basically just said he'd give me a loan for it. And he reminds me, you know, every day that I still own that money. But the um, and then the um, and then uh, I did. So yeah, did that and then, so then we decided, yeah, we're going to go for it. And so then I didn't bother with UCAS or anything like that. That was just never on my mind. Didn't ever see an English uni. And I went to the showcase day in December, played about, yeah, four or five games. And there was just like a hundred US coaches just all floating, just standing on the side of the pitch with all their clipboards. And I was wearing like the yellow number four. So they just think like, oh, yellow four and look, and then it'd be my name. And then they would like highlight it. So we did that. And at the end of the day, we were showered um sat in a room with our parents and there was a guy like almost in like a judge's chair and he was like oh if i read your name then somebody wants to talk to you and my name got red so then i remember my dad just gave me a little fist bump like that and I was like, yes <laughs> i was like thank god for that it's honestly that you know, was nervous I, was like, I thought i played well but i didn't you know you don't really know what they're looking for and then yes yeah, spoke to um four coaches on the day and then most because um a lot of coaches couldn't come to the americans so fast a lot of it's actually recorded, and you make they make you like a little highlight tape thing. Have you seen the American football ones, where it's just like their best bits? It's a bit fake, but anyway. And then after that, then yeah, I've got like I don't know twenty odd emails from that as well. And then um, yeah, decided to go with um, one of the coaches that spoke to me in the day. who's from Division One and from Illinois in Chicago. And uh, yeah, I spoke to him, and I, I really liked him. He's the assistant coach, and he was English, and he'd done the whole process. Spoke to my dad, he knew what you're talking about with football. So after like evaluating the other offers, I just decided to go with him.
1: Right. So what what was the, what, so what are they, what was their, what are they offered you kind of? What was,
2: um, when I first went out there, I was on 84%. Um, so I would have to pay about, I think it was about $2,000 a term. But included in that was they had my housing and all my foods. Was all sorted out, and I had all my like books for uni. That was all paid for. What were you studying there? Business management, but it's sort of strange over there. They do like in my first year, I did like English drama. I can't remember what it's called, but it was really strange anyway. But I I I loved it because obviously drama got an A in that. So, (laughs) (laughs) so yeah, so yeah, that was um, so that was like the offer on paper, and then I remember just before going out there, I got an email like. Or wash your shoe size, wash your, like, clothes size, because, like, Adidas are going to, like, sort us out. Like, we were sponsored by Adidas. I didn't realise at the time before going out there. So I've got, like, free boots, trainers, I don't know, socks, undershorts, tops, jackets, everything really. And that's when I was like, "Cool, this is, like, (laughs) this is pretty nuts, this. And then, yeah, I didn't. And then, yeah, went out there, did my A-levels. No, did an SAT exam, actually. I had to do that to get out there. It was, like, their version of A-levels. So I did that. Uh, past that uh, enough to get in there and then yeah went out there on that and went out there and like the start of August.
1: how long were you there for?
2: Two years total. So first and second year I did.
1: Right, okay. So talk to me what was what was uni kinda like out there. What was what was the Yeah, it was
2: str- strange really. I remember I couldn't get over the American accent to start off with. It's just like it was like I was watching a film or something. I remember like just filming like on the table of like the like the table that was talking, just thinking this is just so strange. This is my life now. That, that, that I was the only English guy there, so other than that assistant coach, so it was just really strange. Like, I just felt like such a world away, and like the roads are just so wide. It was so sunny. It was like the cars driving the other side. There's loads of fast food, like drive-throughs. It was just like it was like the um traffic lights are like really up in the air it was just so strange and it was almost like being it literally just felt like high school musical or something like that it wasn't like dancing stuff going on but do you know what I mean (laughs) it was just yeah at the start it was literally just like that I just couldn't really believe what was going on and I was like this is just nuts like
1: (laughs) so so kind of what about the football what was what was kind of the format with that
2: that was, yes, yeah, so I got there on my first day um, and it was the next morning we had a fitness test. Oh, sorry. Yeah, I actually forgot to say that about two, two and a half months before going out there, I got sent a pack that was like, do this running every day. And it had like a progression every day of the amount of sprints and things like that. Uh, a weekly, like an eight week, nine week guide. And it was like, if you do this, then you'll pass the fitness test. If you don't pass the fitness test, then you can't start any games. That's just the way the Americans are out there. Like you have to have such a base level of fitness just to play. And we, which to be fair, I never really understood, but looking back on it, I fully understand it now, and which I did when I was out there. But that that first year I trained really hard for it, obviously because I didn't know what to expect and all. And then I managed to pass on the first day. But out of 35 boys, there's only 10 boys that passed it. So obviously it wasn't looking great. You didn't have a starting lineup at that point. And then uh that was at 5 a.m. on my first day, I think it was to meet by the american football pitch and it was just like get on the line and we're doing the fitness test did it all and then we had like 7am training and then we had a lot and then we had a food like post meal it was almost like a canteen area that was all free so it was, it was quite cool um and we were there obviously a bit before you, the other university students were there because we were in like pre-season um so yeah I did that and then we'd have like a three four hour nap because everyone was just so knackered from the night before and then we'd have afternoon training um at about I don't know three four p.m. And then before each training session you'd have to go and see the physio and he would just check you over like massage whatever you needed um if you're in an injury you have to do that before and after each one ice baths after each one and then we'd have like just a team meal and then everyone would just sort of go to bed and that was sort of like the pre-season routine type thing it was just two or three sessions a day and normally one of them was solely running and then two of them were like two two and a half hour football
1: sessions right so how did you how did you kind of balance that and doing your uni work that must have been quite mm.
2: yeah so when uni started i um, mean like cl- classes started they call it um we were just training once a day then and we normally have a weight session once a day as well um so that would just i i i found it really hard but it was sort of like the, the way the university's done out there rather than having like we do like big assignments maybe like you know two or three months there's not too much going on and then you've got like three or four really big assignments to do there it was almost like being a secondary school where like you had homework for every class and every and that would be graded and that would go towards your right like, grade Right. so it was more manageable that way because you think like you don't have to do like a half an hour hour each night and then you, you're picking up one or two percent towards your grades like the whole time right so, so in that sense it wasn't too bad but i just i just remember like normally we'd um we go to like morning lifting this could be anywhere between like 5 a.m and like 9 a.m then we'd have class from like eight till 12. Then we'd go to lunch as like most of like the, the freshmen or the first year boys. Then we go to the physio. Then we train for a couple of hours. Then we go back to the physio. Then we eat. And then by that time it was like 9 p.m. ish. And then we'd be interested in the library. They weird library hours that they made us do. Um, all the sports team had to do them. And you had to check in with like, the, there was like an assigned person to sort of um, check that you were doing it. And we had to do two hours a day, five days a week, I think it was. Anyway, we weren't getting to bed until like midnight. The times you have to be up at like five
1: in the next day, it
2: was Would just a nightmare.
1: Would you say it was kind of football first, then your academics, or academics, then football? How do they kind of prioritize? Um, they act like
2: it's academics first, but it's definitely the other way around. Really, they just do you know what I mean? They take they, they, they all the box and they make you go to all your classes and stuff like everybody else, but the priority is football. Like my, my day was just surrounded by football, and then the classroom just sort of fitted in with if and when.
1: Yeah. What about you, Jake? So obviously you were um, doing was it you was it you
0: doing uh, doing uh, courses,
1: right? Okay. So you were doing courses while you were kind of um, while you were at Ipswich. How was that kind of doing that, managing that?
0: Um, to be fair, it's it, from the club's perspective, it's a hundred percent football-like. Right. They're only doing the sport B tech to fill a box to, yeah. to make sure you've got some sort of you know backup if you do get released, but so we trained four days a week and then did a day a week at the local um sixth form college
1: oh wow Is that it so literally yeah. four days four days yeah, 80, one day. 20. wow so how was that kind of doing a, a whole kind of um course in one day was it was it, was that one day really intense or was it just kind of uh
0: it was weird because um so basically at the start once you got your GCSE results um you basically Um, you could do like this the single the double or the triple so obviously it counts for one two or three a levels and i got good enough grades to do the triple but i wasn't really too keen so i did the double um which is like so there's like 18 units in total so the doubles only 12 units so i started with that and then when it got to my second year when i thought i might need this like to get into a unit or something i picked up the triple so i had to do about 12 units of the 18 and six months or something so
1: how did that how did that affect your football because obviously if you were kind of thinking about because did you kind of know at that point because obviously, you were saying you expected to be released when you when you eventually did were were you kind of at that point thinking i need to have something to fall back on here kind of a little bit
0: yeah because we went to um the head of education at the time took us to loveborough to see like the head of football there and he basically just told us around and like showed us a few bits and uh, pieces and basically said that they have like an elite athlete pathway where they understand that basically your only choice is a BTEC. So if you obtain a certain grade, I think it was a DDM um, in your Tech, then you'll be able to go on like a foundation year, then progress onto the course. So after that, I knew how to pick up the triple. And then I've got a D star, D star, D in the end, I think, because it was towards the end, I just prioritised education over football because I knew that, the football really wasn't going to help me in the long term, but the education was vital.
1: Yeah, no, that's fair enough, mate. I feel like, well, as you know now, it's probably probably a good call, but was that kind of, was there anything from their perspective to do that for you, or was that just purely you just thinking, right, well, I need to have something here?
0: Um, to be fair, the head of education pushed it a lot. Like, he was like, Jake, like, if you feel like you need to drop a session in the morning or, you know, stay behind until 3, 4, 5 p.m., there's classrooms, there's like port cabins there. You're more than welcome to stay and like drop sessions. Obviously the coaches, the actual football side of it, they weren't too keen on you know, me missing out on sessions because that's a number lost. And But like, I think definitely from the education side, they pushed it massively because I think I had open conversations with the head of education. We kind of both knew the way my contract was going in a way so we both kind of sat down and made like kind of like a mini plan for me for the next three or four months just basically so i would be able to get that triple b tech done in time for the deadline so then obviously i'll be able to get into Loughborough brawl in the university really
1: yeah Probably, well it seems like a good call now to be fair obviously with your with you uh telling us before we, we came on that you're going to hoping to go to loughborough in the uh in next term so that that, that should be great for you but so obviously we'll go back now so to kind of your the day kind of you get released talk me through how that kind of happens because you, you hear about people getting released and what obviously everyone knows what that means but how do you kind of do you go into someone office the office and blah, blah. how does that kind of come about really uh
0: yeah so we got told the day before you know brace yourself your contract decisions are tomorrow so you know you kind of start to get a bit nervy even though you know you know kind of what's going to happen but you know still you're getting a bit nervous and then the actual meeting itself there's there's some stuff i hadn't seen my whole time there like head of academy and stuff like i was like i spoke to you like once why are you telling me if they've been released or not so um yeah so i'm in the meeting i'm faced with people i've never even seen before i'm like oh, who, who the hell are you um so it must have been six or seven staff around the table just facing you so that's a bit intimidating
1: your parents are as well as with just yourself
0: yeah um so they were basically just like you know from a club point of view we don't see you at the ability or the level where we want to give you a professional contract or whatever so yeah that happened and then they basically will you um will your way into a room with the player care woman and she basically just asked like oh how are you feeling like about the decision and stuff and i was like to be honest like you can expect it all you want it still hurts when you get that decision but you know i'm not surprised at all i know i know what happened i remember at the time i said earlier i was more angry than anything when i got the decision but i mean afterwards we all went and got drunk at uh, the local spoon so, (laughs) so um yeah we, we <laughs> drank the sorrows uh yeah so i remember it clearly though the meeting and i mean i they never really gave a reason apart from we didn't think you're good enough why you got released they never told me about like you know what you need to improve on why we don't think you're good enough you know this and that so i've I, and to be fair i asked one of the coaches uh, you know what was the main reason you actually released me like could i have done better and they kind of just gave me a half-hearted vague answer and didn't really answer any question though they're kind of trying to work around the question and tell me what they've already told me
1: yeah so then you kind of get that also i find it mad that you said to me that the day before you th- they go right you, your decision about your contract is tomorrow like, yeah. that's crazy to me that you've been there for however long and then they go right tomorrow you're deciding whether we're going to sack you off or yeah it seems mental but then kind of so you go you have that that um you have that talk and then you have that decision um the next week what what what's what's happened for you then the next week after that
0: um the next week um what was it it must have been i think they told us on like a monday or tuesday um so then the next couple of days i completely sapped off training i was like i'm not training like there's no chance <laughs> So they should,
1: I, they should expect you to go back and kind of still train with them for the rest yeah of
0: the they expect you basically just to take the decision and then just keep on going on as normal so i basically spoke to the head of education and said i'm not training i'm just going to do education from now on so i'm just going to train basically when i feel about training um because you know i'm not getting anything from being out on the training pitch when i was basically just there to make up a number at the end of it because they're not trying to improve me because i'm not i'm not their problem anymore in a way because they've released me from a contract so you know i definitely then it was more an education program for me than a football program but then within a week we're in lockdown so
1: how long did you so when, when you got told you were getting released how long did you have left on your contract as in um, how long did you have left to kind of go to kind of stay there for
0: uh so my contract officially ran out was it I think it was beginning of July, 2020. So obviously you've got your decision, your contract will run out at that point. So you've still got five months of you know being paid left, but they're basically pre-warning you and telling you when that comes, when that contract end date comes, you won't be getting a new one.
1: So you've got five months then to kind of carry on with, it seems, yeah. I not about you then, but having five months left to yeah. carry on with what you've already been doing, knowing that there's no end goal.
2: That's yeah. That just seems crazy to me. Why you would, why you would do that to someone that early? Yeah. And you don't know, sort of like five months. That's a really long time. But I've had stages in football where I've been dreadful for about eight, nine months.
1: those last three months, I was unreal. Like I don't, I don't get that. Makes no sense. Why is that? What's, what's the reason behind it?
0: Um, to be honest, I think it's just to make numbers in training because obviously. Say they release, they've got in the academy full-time under 18 to 23, they've got 40 players and 15 get released. So probably it's normally about 10 to 15 get released every year at the end of the season. Then all of a sudden they're going from two groups of 20 training. And then I think I think it's just for numbers and training because obviously when they've got their players that they're keeping on, they're not going to be happy when they're training with odd numbers, or you know, they're not being able to do a proper session because there's not a lot, a lot of them.
1: Uh, makes sense. I just I, I, the question kind of was though, like why couldn't they just tell you a week before, tell you in July? Why was it? Why did it need to? Be, to be? fair,
0: we were pushing for it already because basically um, every year they normally tell you once you've um, been knocked out of the FA Youth Cup. Because, you know, for the academy, the under-18 team, it's the FAU Cup is the biggest competition. Like, you're in it to win it. So I remember we got to the, I think it was the fourth round, and we played Cardiff away, and we got knocked out 2-1 an extra time. And in a way, because we were pushing for the, the decisions before, but the head of education said, basically, "Oh, the football guys basically aren't going to tell you until you've been knocked out the youth cup. Because, say, if they release us... And we've got the FA Youth Cup fifth round, we could just toss it off early and just say, yeah. no, why why should we why should we play for this club and earn them basically credit and and I think they get money from it for winning the youth? Club. Why should we why should we work hard for the team when you know they've just released us? So they kind of wait till you've been knocked out. And once we got knocked out, normally, you know, because you want to win it, we knew we weren't gonna win it because there's some proper, proper, decent teams like Man City and Chelsea. So we knew like fifth fifth round of quarter final was the maximum we were gonna get. So I remember when we got knocked out, quite a lot of us were like quite happy we got knocked out because we knew then our decisions would come up because we were mm-hmm. kind of just in that position where we were agitated because we knew it was coming. We just wanted confirmation. Because yeah. you know, like, it was at the point in the club where we didn't feel like we were wanted there or like, because obviously the boys who were, you could tell, the boys who were getting contracts were playing up with the under 23s or first team and when you start with the under 18s playing with guys one or two years below you like i remember um we played coventry away and so obviously i was the only second year scholar on the team and i was being captain by a 15 year old and i was 18 at the time and I'm like no, this is a, to a really good player but i was just thinking i was like what the hell am i doing here like <laughs> yeah. you know, I'm, I'm the most senior player on the team i played 50 more under 18 games than him and i'm being captained by a school kid basically so at that point i just thought you know i want my decision i don't care what you got to say
2: yeah sorry I'm sorry i've got a question so were you when you were absolutely um two questions how many goalkeepers were in your youth team, and were you playing like were you playing a lot of youth games or how and was there keepers that weren't playing do you know what i mean like, like, yeah just... so
0: first year i was uh, both years, so first year and second year, there's normally one goalkeeper for each year. So um, there's normally a first year goalkeeper and a second year goalkeeper. First year, it normally goes for goalkeepers. You, you don't play, you know, the first, I think there's about 30 games in the season. So you don't play the first 10 or 20. It's normally the strongest second year team. Then once them boys either get shipped out on loan to a local team or they're up with the 23s, then the first years will kind of get blooded in so i played probably from january onwards in my first year so that first four or five months i didn't really play a game and then i my second year i started the season and then i played about 15 or 20 games in a row and then i got sent out on loan.
1: so you were quite a pivotal
2: part of that i just always assumed that the boys that got released were the ones that just never played i didn't realize that no could it's, be such a pivotal part no, of the team joke
0: about it because the moment we got um the moment we basically all got sent out on loan from the under 18s to you know a local non-league team Mm -hmm. um i went to felix i actually remember playing against met police when i was at felix though um yeah so we got loaned out there Mm -hmm. and we, we always joked about with the coach because as soon as we left the release boys that got loaned out because that you could tell the lads that were getting contracts, they just went once the under 23s mm-hmm. so the lads that got released as soon as we all got booted out the under 18s it turned crap for them. they started losing every week because yes yeah, we were the better players on the pitch obviously because we're playing against we're playing with kids younger than us a year younger than us so obviously mm-hmm. if we're expected we're physically more dominant and you know, we were always the best players on the pitch when we were playing for the under eighteen. So, you'd expect, because you're playing with kids a year below you. But as soon as um, we got shipped out, uh, and it was all the first years playing, they were losing every week, 5-10-0. Wow.
1: It's, it's so interesting, isn't it, Ben? I don't know about yeah. you. But like, it's, it's, it's the stuff you just kind of, you know what happens, but you just don't really hear about it that much, do you? Do you know what I mean? Like it's nuts yeah
2: you just you just assume i just always assumed it was boys that just never had a chance yeah. to play and they realised realize you you were the number one goalie and they still
1: just treated yeah. you that badly that's just crazy to me that they did how that many boys jake how many boys got kept on from kind of your year out of how many
0: um so my intake from under 16 into scholars it must have been i think about 12 of us um signed scholarship forms and then it must have been um so when you get your decision you either get a third year scholarship which is basically just an ex- extension or you get a professional contractor basically that's normally the boys that are like you know pushing for the first team already so i think three or four got professional contracts and then two got third year scholars and the rest of us so it must have been six of us got released
1: right so it's about 50 about 50 split then really yeah
0: and then i remember one of the boys got off with a third year as well but it's notorious, like, if you're a third year, it's normally they're just keeping you on because they're not really sure on you and they'll just release you a year down the line. So he went off to America, he goes to Georgia State now. So he turned down the third year and just said, no, I'm off to uni.
1: Fair enough, mate. So obviously we've, we've touched quite a lot there on the kind of the football side of it. But um, as you said on, as you got very bravely, like came out and said on social media, kind of how much it had affected you really getting, getting released. So if you want to talk a little bit about that
0: then yeah i mean tied in with lockdown as well i mean it must have been a lot tougher on us i think i feel like this year because obviously you're going from seeing your your mates every day all day every day to only being around your family locked to the house all day pretty much so it was you know it was quite it was quite well it was very tough um i feel like definitely coming from the club there was Little to no support coming from them because the way they say it, it's a business, football's yeah. a business at the yeah. end of the day. And once you're not an asset to them, they can give a toss about what you're doing. So I remember we had like, um, it must have been like a careers meeting or something with uh, the head of academy, and he was basically just meant to like, you know, point us in the right direction because he used to be a player, um, a scholar, and then he got released, and then he went to Loveborough and got a business degree, and then worked his way back at the academy and back at the club through like the business side of it. Yeah. So, I remember we were meant to have like a careers meeting with him, and he didn't turn up because he we forgot. Um, well, we we got told he was in another meeting, but you know that's just a cover up for him.
1: Yeah, that with the boys, that was that was your kind of their way of saying this is what you can do from now.
0: Yeah, so yeah, that was basically for them to tell us like. You know what? What are your plans? What's your plan B going forward, and what we would suggest you do, or whatever, or what what are you looking to do? What can we do to help you in your path going forward? So, he didn't even turn up. we were just stuck with our under eighteen coach, and you know he's he's a football coach. It's not in his job description to point us in the right direction for our careers. Like, so he could not really offer us much, which is understandable. So, yeah. so I you- think from so Sorry. yeah, from then, I mean, in a, in a meeting like that when he doesn't even turn up, it just kind of tells you and it's a bit of a downer because you can tell that the club really don't care.
1: Yeah, I mean, you've, you've, you've had five months. You've got you from the moment, you know, you're getting released. You've then got five months to go of your contract. What? Because as you say, football is a business. We, we all know that it's sport, yeah. football is brutal. It's a business at the end of the day but obviously you've been there for a substantial amount of time and you are we are everyone's people at the end of the day so it's not gonna you can't just switch off and be like oh that's it right yeah exactly um what kind of for those five months would you say you've had how many conversations would you say you've had with someone at at the club about one like what's what you was gonna happen with you going forward two, kind of how you're feeling about it what's um how
0: you're actually feeling, like, mentally, zero, um, not at all, nothing. You'll get the occasional. I've been to some of the lads the other day when we were basically talking about it before me and Lewis shared our stories, and we were saying about, you get a text from one of the coaches on WhatsApp saying, how's it going, and then you'd be like, yeah, I'm, I'm all right, not not great, thanks, how about you? And they say, oh, yeah, good, thanks. And that's their way of thinking they're mentally supporting you. So. Mm-hmm. You know you get a text every three months from the coach saying how's it going and they think that's their way of you know mentally supporting you so
1: is there not is there not like a um is there not a kind of like a well-being officer or something like that
0: there is so like the player care officer yeah um i remember at the time they were very like you know supportive of us but i um was thinking about it the other day and i was speaking to one of the boys and I've only received a text off them once since I've been released and that was me asking could there be like a reference for me um for um for used to be like a physio just basically signing me off on some forms so, so yeah once in the last uh, how long it's been it's literally a year now since crazy
1: absolutely crazy I can't believe it. Ben thoughts <laughs> Yeah, it's
2: just yeah, it's wild. It's, it's just wild. I just still can't believe that you were the number one goalie, I and mean, it's just you just you know what you mean you you're, you are the pitcher and then you're you're completely out of the pitcher. I just I, I just think it's crazy how that how that happens. And not not um, did you ever did you get offered to do any of those um? I can't remember what, uh, is it the exit trials? Do you know those games where like, American coaches and stuff
1: come. Yeah. And,
2: were they, uh, was they sort of do they try and help you sort of with your football career a bit? Um. Just because
0: it was a tough one because obviously as soon as we got released, a week after it was lockdown, so mm. there wasn't really exit trials for any of the boys across the country that got released uh, that season. Yeah. So there wasn't really that option available. Um, I remember we had some meeting where the club basically said, uh, oh, yeah, we've put like a highlight reel, the analysis um, people have put a highlight reel together. We're going to send it off to a few clubs. And mm-hmm. every year they do it. Um and normally it's one or two of, you know, the handful of lads that are being released. They'll go on and sign for a team. So I remember last year one lad got released. He went and signed for Charlton, which are a better team than it. So, it's a, <laughs> so, so it, can, it can work in your favour sometimes. And I remember mm. normally every single lad gets at least one or two clubs interested where they go for a trial at least or, that, you know, they speak to them. But I remember they the club said that they sent them out, but not a single one of us got any interest from any clubs I don't know if that's because of lockdown because of covid they no clubs were taking in players but at the same time you're thinking did the club really you know try their best to to push our name out there and stuff because we all knew that we may have been released but we were still good players like we still could easily have gone and walked into a league two team or something mm-hmm. but you know when none of us are getting any attention at all because there were some boys in there that got released that really really good players And maybe they didn't get contracts just because, you know, the guy in the year above them plays for England or something. Mm Go on their own. It's just the economics of football. So when none of us at all are getting any word from any clubs, we're a bit like ours. The club really helps us out here.
1: Yeah. No. So Jake, just kind of obviously the main reason we knew about your story was kind of through social media. What sort of responses have you been getting since? Because obviously you shared your story in in depth. You want to at your Twitter, mate? I, I doubt you'll get many followers from us, but at your Instagram, uh,
0: oh, hey, to... nice and simple. Okay. Um, to be fair, I got a few boys, um, that I know from clubs and um, that have been released from different clubs from it, which I basically just said, like, oh, fair play to you coming out and that respect it. Like, and they pretty much face the same thing where the aspect of them being released and then the club seeing them as more as an asset and they're not an asset to them anymore so mentally the mental side of it they don't really care how they feel so it it's kind of a good thing you know it's it's bad to hear but it's good to know that it's not just Ipswich that yeah you know it's, it's a football problem it's not just Ipswich's problem
1: No, <laughs> oh, yeah we, we were going to I was just about to say that really it's, it's kind of obviously with yourself but focus on Ipswich but as you say it's, it's a much much wider kind of
0: yeah exactly
1: really no yeah definitely um just hang on i'm just checking my my notes right so yes so my next question was going to be to both of you really um you're kind of obviously since coming through actually Ben. one more question on your how did it end with in america i still don't know that
2: uh yeah so um out there obviously i was going from here playing like two three four times a week Sort of on off in the season Um but obviously it was it, it was just part-time football from there and then uh going out to America it was then almost like double full-time I don't know just playing like two three times a day with a weight session I was just not adding to the weight in my life before going over there my body just couldn't ha- hack sort of the amount of um pressure I was putting on it physically so my first year I was just riddled with injuries I, I played every game but it was start it was um I literally wasn't training for but to Monday to Friday, and I'll play on Saturday. Then I wouldn't train. Then I'll play Tuesday, and obviously that was just having a bit of upset when there's thirty five boys putting their heart out and playing and like, so that was just like tough. And I wasn't. I really enjoyed the experience um, my first year, and I really was really football committed then. But I was just, I was just constantly, I basically constantly get pushed back through injuries. all I wanted to do was play over there and you know really sort of achieve but it was sort of hard to do I just never felt like playing at 100% so then I got um end up I had like tendinitis or tendinosis I don't know like the next day from tendonitis anyway um in like my upper sort of of like hip area and that's why I kept having all these problems is because I basically just worn it down so much and never let it rest then I didn't play football from about February of my first year um to about the end of September of my second year so during like all through that summer and the start of the next season I wasn't playing at all and then when I got back obviously I was so much unfitter than everyone else No, you know before i trained like nine weeks just to get a base fitness for pre-season I was still found it really tough so then I was sort of in and out the team then like I wasn't playing as much anymore I was like when I was fit I was playing but I was still had these sort of things over me I wasn't fit enough so I was just becoming like more and more sort of unhappy there, even though I was really grateful for what I was doing. It just, my, my body just physically couldn't sort of take a toll on it. And then it got to a point where like me and my coach weren't really getting on that well. We didn't really see eye to eye. Like I thought we should be playing passing football. He just wanted to play long ball. And it was like, do you know what I mean? It was sort of hard. Basically, I got brought into a team where I wasn't the right fit for it effectively. I'll I, you know, definitely back myself to say I was one of the better players there, definitely. But I wasn't right for that team. Like I was a smaller, more technical player, and they were all really physical and just really hard working. It was sort of, yeah, you know, we, we played two different types of football, basically. Um, so, yeah, so then by the end of my second year, I was sort of getting to a point where I was thinking, this just isn't the right fit for me at the moment. And, and then the coach that brought me over there, he left after my first term, just after the first time, because he just wasn't really that happy with it, and he went to Florida, as Jacksonville. So I was a bit like, I was kind of gunned, because that was like the reason I actually came there, was for that coach, and we had a really good connection, and then I was left with the main coach, and had all this sort of like backwards way of playing football, in my opinion, and it just, I don't know, it just didn't really, it just didn't really click, really. Um, so yes, then I got to the end, and was like, oh, I think I'm ready to transfer. But I just got to a point where I was really unhappy, because so I got injured again. About three months, and was like, I can't, I, I you know, I can't be out here on this like contract, and there's so much pressure, and then I'm not playing, I'm not happy. Yeah. So I was like, right, I think the best thing for me to do would just be to leave uh, Chicago, come back to England, and then transfer to another university. But when you have to do that, you normally need to, you have to like leave your team first before setting up another one, if that makes sense. So it's quite a big risk. But I was just like, yeah, like, I'm, I'm I'm definitely not happier anymore. Like, I've had a good two years. I'm just gonna go now. I was going to take a year out come home take a year out be with my family get back to my home comforts etc and then um, move back out there uh, to, to another university but then while i was here over summer i wasn't playing football at all when i was like oh, i'm like really happy again i was going out i was sort of like you know i wasn't going out when i was over there because we were training so much and there's loads of rules in place so i just came back and i just, was really enjoying the lifestyle and then in the end just sort of settled that that was a great experience but I sort of lost my love for football then. And then literally on clearing day, just quickly called Cardiff, mm-hmm. my old brother went there. And just told them the situation, It's like, yeah, like, sort of the day levels. Um, I've done the SATs and I've been here for two years and I played football and they were like, yeah, that's sort of it. Yeah. So then, yeah, they didn't really look back and just thought, yeah, that's sort of my football days over. And I was just going to go to Cardiff just to enjoy sort of the, the party life, really.
1: <laughs> yeah. And then instead, you've got us running every week, mate. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, do not be in charge. <laughs> yeah, so so obviously now yourself have come, kind of come back to Cardiff and then kind of took over the club really this year, aren't you? So, so <laughs> yeah. Anyway, so going back to going back to overall in general. So Jake, what's your kind of what's your plan going forward now? What's 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 the plan for you, mate?
0: um I think just earn money, drinking money, really. So <laughs> <laughs>
1: as in Um, obviously you were saying before about Loughborough so you want to expand on that a a little bit
0: yeah so um I I must have done my application it must have been November last year and then they got back pretty quickly accepted um probably it's mainly because I was introduced to the head of football and he kind of you know fast-tracked it through and stuff Mm -hmm. so it made the process a lot easier compared to other students Uh, you know, he kind of just went to the admissions office and said, Can you just clear this guy for me, please? <laughs> um, so yeah. I'm starting in they start um they take it I was I was so surprised how serious they take it there, the football side of it. Um mm-hmm. so they start in July wow. and they do like a full on pre season because obviously their their elite team are in non league. Yeah. Um and hopefully I'll they be start writing this
2: down, really. <laughs>
0: <laughs> was, was that july was that <laughs> yeah so they they start in july and they basically i'm not sure what the accommodation is I'm, I'm sure i read something about how they have like a student athlete village or something where um they have like longer housing contracts um yeah so it's crazy how serious it is i, I was I was expecting just to go there starting october obviously that's not going to happen because pre-season and the non-league season starts in August so
1: I was expecting what, no, what division do Loughborough play in do you know not a clue no so but then, then again mate I, I feel like that's it's, it's great though really that you're kind of going to be getting back into football and stuff like that because even yeah exactly on it we I mean we're nowhere near we're nowhere near Loughborough's level let's face it but um <laughs> <laughs> but um obviously just purely just, Ben, for yourself, you've got back into playing football at uni and has that kind of been? Yeah, no, definitely. I
2: was I was with every intention of not playing football ever again after I left um America. Um, and was just going to enjoy just not being injured and just having sort of a party life. And um the only reason I joined it was because I met one of the ex-football boys, Ben Robertson, um, in the toilets of Prism's nightclub, I think it was and we, we just got chatting. and he was like Oh, you play football I was like oh yeah I've just come back from America actually he's like oh you come down to the Trial Square, like you know me like yeah come down like, I'll tell the coach and I was like oh he seems like a really good lad like this is like the type of boys that I want to know he's joking to <laughs> me I was like yeah like these are the type of boys that I want to know I met like him and and so these are um Jay just for third years last year just happened to meet them met you on a night out and got chatting yeah. to them and they're like yeah come down and I was like oh these are like really good lads like boys that i would. I can like chat to and like, want to be friends with that university so i was like yeah like maybe i'll just go down just proper social thing just and not really say anything and just sort of just play for fun type of thing and then yeah when i went down there um the ones coach was like yeah, just come training the next day and then i was just like, oh, i started finding new motivation for it really just a new scenario not as serious but still relatively serious i just thought yeah this is like nice and now i'm sort of yeah i'm happily going on runs now and you, you couldn't have paid me to go on a run two years ago after that
1: <laughs> yeah. yeah so it's it's kind of well obviously i feel like jake hopefully fingers crossed for you mate that kind of mm. that all I, well I, I think it's probably a little bit of a different situation i don't feel like doesn't sound like jake you kind of lost lost like four night of football at all kind of really or. not
0: really no because i was lucky in the fact that as soon as the non-league started up again because obviously i went on a loan from ipswich to a local non-league side and their keeper got injured and like, one of the first games of the season and their manager, the manager basically contacted me and said, you know, do you want to come and play for us because our keeper's injured and we're you're a goalkeeper, we can trust to play for us. So straight away, and they're all a group, good group of lads there. So, you know, I, I always enjoyed playing for them before I got released. So going there, you know, I was enjoying it straight away again. So it's good for me.
1: Oh, definitely, mate. So kind of coming back to the... The main point, really, of, of kind of supporting boys after they've been released and stuff. If Jake, I'll start with you. What, what would your kind of, um, what would you say to clubs, to professional clubs now, to kind of try and make sure there's not as many situations with boys like yourself where they've come out of a football club and kind of just had no support? What, what would you, what would you, want, what do you want to happen, kind of from this, from this, really?
0: Um. To be honest, I don't think much will happen if just clubs are being told what to do. I think it'll it'll have to come from above, wherever it's like the PFA or the FA, and they set out, you know, basically saying you'll get sanctioned if you don't support players that you've released. Because you know, if you if you're just accusing clubs and saying, oh yeah, Ipswich have been bad at supporting yeah. me after, as much as it, like, I'm sure like, fans will see it and they'll be like, oh, this isn't our club, like, I can't believe they've done this to you. They don't care. It needs to come from powers above where they're being forced their hand to, because at the end of the day, it's going to either, if they happen to, you know, offer counselling or something, it's going to cost them a bit of money to do it. And obviously it's a business. They're going to be, you know, as tight as possible, really. So I think it needs to come from the FA or something where they say, listen, these are the rules for supporting players once you release them. You know, you have to set up, a, I was saying about how they should do like a one to two year plan basically. And you know, not, you know, not hold their hand and basically, you know, walk them through life. But, you know, maybe every month or so, you know, you have a, you have a catch up with the player care personal, you know, the head of welfare or whatever. And they basically, you just have an update of them. Instead of, you know, just a text, everyone saying, how's it going? You know you check in once a month for the next year or so and they basically just say oh yeah how's the plan that we set out going do you need any help from me or the club is there anything we can direct you to or any contacts you need to know
1: yeah no completely they're all the thing is as well this is all stuff that isn't really groundbreaking in any way this is yeah exactly so it's all stuff that should be happening anyway isn't it really yeah (laughs) it isn't stuff that's like our clubs are massively going to, and obviously you talk about money as well, the amount of money that's in, in football and sport right now. What well, what is, what is going to, what's the counselling for a few lads who've been released? Exactly, yeah. It's a drop in the water, isn't it? Compared compared to wages and stuff that you'd be getting paid if you hadn't got the contract that they would potentially yeah. offer. Do you know what I mean? I, I,
0: said, I said in my post, like, I can't believe how, like, clubs will have analysis, like, sports science, or even throwing coaches, but you know counsellors still aren't commonplace in the football club like psychologists still no. aren't commonplace no when you
1: what about when when you were there were you supporting yeah.
0: at all or was it um yeah, and i wouldn't really say because there was only really one actual like sports psychologist type of person for the whole club and when there's 25 first team players 25 under 23 players you know you're at the bottom of the pole. you're not really they say there's one but you're not getting the chance to see him with them because Obviously, they're only you're only there six hours a day, and if they've got an hour hour appointments, uh, and you know their first priority is the first team player. so you not really actually get to see them at all.
1: Yeah, no, it's it's it's, a, it's a, such an important conversation to be had as well. Yeah, people, lads, such as we've seen so many tragic cases of boys, kind of worst case scenario, boys being released and taking their own lives just purely really because funny. you can you can see. Uh, it's it's all boys have ever known and, and kind of getting, as you said, you had a conversation the next day from, you had one day and then it was next day, right? This is it. You're kind of, at that time, your football dream is, that's it. And yeah. in any other form of life, you would never, apart from sport, you'd never have that situation. I can't imagine another field of work where that happens. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Ben, have you got anything to add, mate?
2: Yeah, I think it's just... Definitely, I think I agree with everything you said, Jake, and I think it just needs more people like Jake who've like been through this process to then have a seat in like the board of clubs and you know, be coaches and you know I mean? just sort of changing the whole um, ethos of a, of a club so it focuses on on that as well. And it's never really going to happen until people who've sort of gone through it are then at the top and then they they know that you'll sort of look for those things and you'll probably be more noticeable boys who are acting slightly off, etc., but yeah, I think I think it's yeah, it's just definitely something that needs to be changed. And even just at a smaller at university, like we can definitely you know I me and you can definitely look out for like the other boys and what they're doing, and stuff like that. I think it's been, it's been a really great conversation though. Thank you.
1: Uh, Jay, thank you so much, mate. We're we're all as a club, we'd look we'd just like to say thank you so much for coming on and
0: oh, my pleasure.
1: Up, uh, it's been absolutely invaluable for us. So yeah, obviously. Yeah,
2: it's been great. Yeah, thank you so much. Yeah, well, cheers
1: boys. Thank you for that. No problem at
2: all. <laughs> cheers everyone. See you later, boys. <laughs>